Well, good morning, uh, Redeemer friends and family. My name is Israel Martinez, and I have this great privilege to serve us here at Redeemer Church um, as the lead pastor. And, and I am excited as we are going to look at the whole book of Jonah today. So the sermon will be a little different. We're going to look at Jonah chapter 1. You heard me, I mean, chapter f- uh, w- uh, 1 through 4. You heard me right. We're going to look at the whole book. We usually don't go through a whole book of the Bible in one sermon. But I think it will uh, behoove us to look at the book of Jonah and enter into um, what um, the Lord has for us today here. And so, again, uh, I am excited and thankful. We are under some renovations now. So if you would uh, give us some grace, things look a little different. There's holes. There's things. Uh, we're hopefully in a, in a couple weeks start our renovations and have uh, the building looking nice. We're going to open up some space here and so and close some space there and do some things. So pray for us in that. Um, we are excited to see what the Lord is doing. Um, but again, before we get into our text, I want us to think about this big question that Jonah is actually asking the whole time, and, and this is how the story ends. Um, and so he's asking, what is God doing? Like, what is he doing? Like, I don't understand. And so my, my question back to us is, have you ever asked God, like, what he is doing? Like, I, I don't get it, God. Not only why he's doing it, because that's the point in Jonah, that Jonah actually is a church person or, or a person that knows the things about God. He knows why um, in a sense, theologically, why God, he's, he, he's, he's slow to anger, he's patient, he's gracious. Jonah knows that, but he's still in his heart saying, God, what are you doing? Like, why? What are you doing? It, it, knowing the why, he's asking the what. And so many of us, again, know how God is supposed to act. We've heard the stories, we've read the Bible, maybe you've been to church once or twice. Maybe you haven't, and that's fine too. And maybe you have your version of how you think God um, um, should act. But the, the, the true thing is that we all come to God and ask, like, God, what, what are you doing? What is God doing? And this is what Jonah is doing. And again, again, theologically, we know that he is God and he does what he wills sometimes. And we see that God acts um, a, a, a certain way and does certain things. But we come to God and say, why, I mean, what are you doing? Like, why is this situation happening? Or why is that thing happening? Why didn't this or that thing work out? Why didn't that work out? So we start to ask God why, but the root of that is what? You see, we, we, we learn in Jonah that God is the sovereign God of all who actually shows compassion and mercy to all, but oftentimes we just don't believe it. And we don't understand him in what he does. And so, like Jonah, we ask, what is God doing? You see, Jonah was this prophet of this strong northern kingdom as Israel was divided into the north and to the south. And so, he hated this weaker kingdom known as Assyria or Nineveh. And so modern day, if we look at a map, we're looking at Jonah in modern day uh, Jerusalem or Israel, and then Nineveh was in modern day like Iraq. And so close to the mountains in northern Iraq, I was in uh, Utah when I was younger, and I was stationed there, and they said that Iraq looks just like Utah. Desert in the south, snow-capped mountains in the north. Who would have known? So Nineveh was this beautiful, great city we see, but they were weaker than Israel at this point and not seen as a threat. Assyria would one day in the future overtake the nation of Israel and sack them and, and, and overtake them. But at this point in time, they were weak. And Jonah hated them. And Jonah hated them for various reasons, we, we, we think, but we're going to look at the whole book and see that the whole book of Jonah takes us on a journey It takes us through Jonah's journey to ask this question again, what is God doing? And so let's read and learn from the book of Jonah through the power of the Holy Spirit. Again, today we're going to do something a little different as this story is a narrative. So we're going to literally read a whole book of the Bible at at, at church today. So if you would, hang in there with me. Have your eyes. If you have a device, turn it on or or you'll be lost. Um, There's seven episodes in Jonah. So it's like episode one, episode two, episode three, episode, and, and they parallel each other until we get to episode seven. And there's a big reveal of what 
It kind of will answer our question, what is God doing? And so if y'all would, uh, with me, we're going to first look at Jonah's commissioning in flight. And so let's start uh, looking at our text. And it says, the first chapter, and I'm literally going to walk through and explain some things as we walk through the text, and then we're going to see this big conclusion and see what the Lord is saying through us through the book of Jonah. So it says, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, verse 1-1. The word of the Lord, or Yahweh, the known name of God, came to Jonah, the son of Amatai. That word means the son of faithfulness or the son of truth. We see that was not Jonah. Jonah was the opposite. And listen to what God tells him. This is Jonah's commissioning and flight in verses 1 through, chapter 1, 1 through 3. And God tells Jonah, get up. God wants Jonah to live. God wants Jonah to rise. We're going to see that theme in the book of Jonah. He says, go to the great city of Nineveh. I told you the Ninevites were, they were weak in this sense, but they were growing and they would become strong. And in a few years, they would overtake the nation of Israel. So God sees who Nineveh is. God knows who Nineveh is. And he says, get up and go to that great city. We're going to see that word great is a theme in Jonah, exceedingly or great. He says, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it. Nineveh was wrong. Nineveh was evil. Because their wickedness has confronted me. Nineveh was doing evil things, things that if I said right now, you'd be ashamed of. Horrible, dark, evil things. So in a sense, you can realize like Jonah had kind of this tension of like, man, I don't want God to save them. Like they're they're wicked, uh, disgusting, evil people. They're not like me. Look at verse 3 in chapter 1. It continues. However, Jonah got up to flee to Tarshish. We think modern uh, Tarshish is in modern-day Spain. So this means that Jonah from Jerusalem, here's all the Mediterranean Sea. There's Europe. Here's Africa. Here's Italy and uh, the North Mediterranean. And Jonah was like, nope, going to Spain. Getting far away from this place that I know of. That's about as far west as you could go at that point in time with what they knew. And so that's what Jonah's doing. He's like, I'm going to Spain. I'm going far away. And we see, it says, however, Jonah got up to flee uh, to Tarshish from the Lord's presence. So what does that mean? The Lord's presence implies that Jonah was actually in Jerusalem. Because that's where they would say that the Lord's presence was in the temple, which was mimicking the tabernacle, if you know uh, a little bit of, of biblical history. But that's what Jonah was in Jerusalem. And he says, nope. I'm getting away from the presence of God because I probably feel convicted or I know I should be doing something. And Jonah is so disobedient that he's like, I'm going as far away as I can. And I'm going to this Tarshish, Spain, from or away from the presence of Yahweh. He doesn't want to encounter God. So it says he went down. Now we're going to see God said, get up. I want you to go up. And now we're going to see that this went down is a euphemism. It's a phrasing of how, uh, what that means is that this means, uh, it's a way of saying Jonah is going to die. It says, he went down. Jonah is setting himself up for his own death. He goes to Joppa. Joppa is modern day Tel Aviv, Yafo, Yafo, Joppa, kind of Joppa. Um, That is where um, it's about 50 miles today. So you can get there pretty fast in a car, but back in the day, probably a three-day journey. So Jonah is gone. He leaves Jerusalem and goes to the coast, like I'm going to the beach and taking that ship out of here. And look at what he says. Verse uh, 3 continues in the middle. He says, he went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he's like, okay, I found one to go to Spain. I'm gone. He paid the fare. He paid money because he didn't, I mean, he was paying his own hard-earned cash to get away from God. And it says, he paid the fare and again went down, setting up for Jonah's death. He went down into it, into the ship, to go with them to Tarshish. And now, it's saying he's going to Spain. He's making, in case you missed it, the third time this Tarshish is mentioned, he's getting far away from God. He's being super disobedient. And he's going from the Lord's presence. Again, he's going away from the temple. And so we see now Jonah encounter the second episode, Jonah and the pagan sailors. So we saw Jonah's commissioning and flight episode. We're going to call this 1A because later we're going to contrast these with the other episodes. And now we look at episode um, 2B, and we see Jonah and the pagan sailors. Pagan is a word for someone who worshipped many gods and was um, anti-God. And then we see now the sovereignty of the Lord. You can't escape this in the book of Jonah. It says that the Lord, Yahweh, hurled a violent wind on the sea. 
Such a violent storm arose on the ship, and the ship threatened to break apart. So now we have these sailors. God's hurling a wind. God's doing things. He's like, why is God, what is he doing? Why is he throwing a storm? All these hurricanes have happened recently. One big one that hit Tampa Bay. We want to pray for them. My family in Puerto Rico was hit by a big uh, hurricane recently. And these are the things that start to happen. It says the ship was breaking apart. The sailors in verse um, 5 says the sailors were afraid. They're fearful. And each cried out to his God. Now they're crying out to their pagan gods like, help me. I need help. I don't know what's going on. You can feel the tension in the text. The sailors were afraid, and each cried out to their God. And in verse 5, they, it says, they threw the ship's cargo into the sea to lighten the load. They're, they're letting go of their possessions and things. They're like, we just want to survive. They threw the ship's cargo into the sea to lighten the load. And meanwhile, Jonah had gone down again. He went down. He keeps going down to his what? We're going to see he's going down to die. He would rather die than have God save people. Then, then proclaim the gospel. His heart was so cold. And it says they threw the ship's cargo into the sea to lighten the load. Meanwhile, Jonah had gone down to the lowest parts of the vessel or the ship and had stretched out and fallen into a deep sleep. Jonah really doesn't care. He's like, man, this storm is happening. I don't care. I'm going to sleep. Have you guys ever been there? When something stressful is happening, are you one who's just like, man, I just, I, I'm just going to go? And hide. Hide from God. This is what Jonah's doing. He's disobedient to God. Now he's hiding from God. And it said Jonah had gone down again to the lowest part of the vessel. And he stretched out and fallen, fallen into a deep sleep. And the captain approached him and said, what are you doing? Sound asleep. Now the captain is asking what Jonah is going to be asking God. God, what are you doing? The captain's like, what are you doing, man? You're falling asleep. What is up? The captain approached him and said, what are you doing? Sound asleep. Get up. The captain is mimicking God. Remember what God said to Jonah? Get up. Arise. And, and, and here we see the pagans start to respond like God. And Jonah responds anti-God. He says, get up. Call to your God. They're like, man. The captain is like, man, just call to your God. Our gods are not working. He says, maybe this God... This one you've been talking about will, con will consider us and we won't perish. The captain's not even like, your God has to save us. He's like, maybe he will. Maybe, I don't know. And then verse 7 says, come on, the sailors said to each other, let's cast lots. Then we will know who is to blame for this trouble we're in. So they cast lots, kind of like rolling dice. They're just this thing that they think is random that God's not in control of. We see that God is actually in control. So they cast the lots, like kind of rolling dice as a way of drawing straws or something like that. And the lot singled out Jonah. Then they said to him, the sailors say to Jonah, these pagan sailor, sailors say, tell us who is to blame for this trouble we're in. What is your business? Where are you from? What is your country and what people are you from? And now Jonah answers with a little pride, probably uh, waking up, you know, from his sleep. He says, I'm a Hebrew. You not know who we are? We're stronger than you. I worship Yahweh, the real God, the God of the heavens who made the sea and the dry land. And in verse 10, we see that the men were even more afraid and said to him, what is this that you have done? For the men knew, now the men start to see God, that they say he was fleeing from the Lord's presence. So apparently Jonah had a conversation with him before he went to sleep and said, yep, man, I'm running away from my God. My God is the real God, but there's these scumbag people, the Syrians, and I don't care about them. And so I'm, I'm just, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to, I'm fleeing from him. I'm fleeing, fleeing from Yahweh's presence. And it said in verse 10, because he had told them. So we see that Jonah had told them some of his story. Verse 11 says, so they said to him, what should we do to, for, um, to you to calm the sea that's against us? For the sea was getting worse and worse. And Jonah answered, said, he said, pick me up and throw me into the sea so that it may quiet down for you. For I know that I am to blame for this violent storm that is against you. Nevertheless, the men rode hard back to, to the dry land. They didn't want to hurt Jonah, but they, couldn't, they could not get back because the sea was raging against them more and more. And so now these sailors are in a dilemma. So verse 14 says, so they called out to the Lord. They're, now they're calling out to Yahweh. Please, Yahweh. Don't let us perish because of this man's life. 
And don't charge us with innocent blood. For you, Yahweh, have done just as you please. Now the sailors recognize the sovereignty of God. They're like, God, you do what you want. They start to think like how a believer would think, how a God-fearer would think. And, and it continues, again, in verse 15 of chapter 1. Then they picked up Jonah and threw him into the sea, and the sea stopped its raging. And so now the sailors start to encounter God. It says in verse 16, the men feared the Lord. Remember, they were, they were afraid or they were fearing but now they fear the Lord the right way. They don't fear him as this distant God. They fear him, or the, the word fear is another synonym for loving God. We should be God-fearers. That's what Jonah is claiming to be, but he's not. He's a liar. He's saying he fears God, but now we see these pagan sailors actually fear God. Look at, what, look, look at the next um, verses, and it says what they do. It says, the men feared the Lord even more. And they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made great vows. And so this, again, sometimes we read the Bible, we think something happens in like two seconds. And there are some parts of Jonah that that is true. In, in this uh, chunk right here, this little short little uh, part that says they sacrificed to the Lord and made vows. We can think that they did that on the ship or whatever. They actually didn't. This means that they actually had to go back to Jerusalem. Remember how we started thinking of Jerusalem? They were um, on the sh- um, they were on the ship, so they probably came back somewhere around that Tel Aviv Yafo area and Joppa and had to come back to uh, Israel where the temple was to actually worship um, God and offer these sacrifices at the temple. That shows devotion. They made vows to God. They were serious. They were taking God serious. And they were thankful that God rescued them from their death. And it says that they feared the Lord. Look at verse 17. And then now we see the sovereignty of God again. It says, and the Lord appointed. You see God appointing a great fish. It wasn't random. And all the things that happen in our life are not just random things. Now it says, the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the fish three days and three nights. And so we see that Jonah swallowed up. Again, a lot of times maybe you've encountered the story of Jonah as like a little veggie tale story or a kid's story. Oh, Jonah, he's in a fish. Yay. And it's like this thing. And, and Jonah is actually a very serious book. We're going to see Jesus says, hey, the, the, I've given you the sign of Jonah. And we start to see that sign now when it says in, in the belly, that Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. We don't know if it was a whale, a big fish. I don't know what kind of fish it was. A big fish where a human could be. And um, the point is, that it says he was there three days and three nights. God controls. What does an animal usually do when it takes something in its mouth? It swallows it and it digests it, right? So God was sovereign enough to control that fish to not swallow Jonah into the stomach. It says he was in the belly, so he, he goes into the belly. But it, he didn't, I don't know what, he, he, it seems like the three days are not long enough to di- digest him because we'll see that eventually Jonah will come out. But the point is that he's inside this fish for three days and three nights. And three days and three nights is, a, is um, what we call, um, again, a euphemism for death. It's what the ancient Near East, all the cultures would say, three days and three nights. That means you are going to die. Again, we, we look at the book of Jonah and think, oh, yeah, he was just hanging out in the fish and throwing a party or just breathing. I don't know how you breathe inside of water. And that, that's when we get to the, the third episode, uh, episode 3C, Jonah's Grateful Prayer. And again, maybe you've never heard this um, uh, understanding of Jonah. Um, I don't think it's crucial to really understanding the full book, but I think it really helps. And I actually think this happens. I actually think that Jonah dies. And so hang in there with me. You're like, well, okay, well, I've never heard that. I thought Jonah was having a party in the fish or living in the fish or breathing underwater in the fish. Look at the language in chapter 2. Again, this is po- there's some poetry here. There's some humor here. There is also... Just language that is describing what is happening to Jonah. Look at Jonah's uh, grateful prayer now. We're going to see what happened to Jonah. Again, I think as Jonah was dying, we're going to see this later, that Jonah actually, right before he dies, he prays to God and is like, God, save me. I I need you. And then he dies, and then he's resurrected. Now look look at chapter 2. Again, episode 3, Jonah's Jonah's grateful prayer. It says, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from inside the fish. 
And so he's praying and he says, I called to the Lord in my distress and he answered me. So right when Jonah was about to die, he's calling out to God. He says, I cried out for help in the belly of Sheol. Sheol is an understanding of the grave. It doesn't mean hell. It doesn't mean heaven. It's just where you go after you die. It's the Hebrew word for death in a sense or where you go after life. And he said, you heard my voice. So we've seen a couple Things of already talking about death. Look at verse 3. He says, you threw me into the depths, into the heart of the seas, and the current overcame me. So he's in the depths of the seas. I don't know how many people who survive in the depths of the seas. One of the scariest places you can be is in the bottom of the ocean. We don't even know what's down there. Probably some kind of like, like Loch Ness monsters. I don't know. Stuff that our brains would explode. Like you try to go deep in the water, we would just explode. So the depths of the sea, like our body, body would explode. That's where Jonah finds himself. And it says, and the current overcame me and all your breakers and billows, all these waves and all the movement of the water swept over me. But I said, I have been banished from your sight. If you're banished from the sight of the Lord, that means that you are dead. More than likely. It says, yet I will look once more. It's like Jonah now finds hope. Toward your holy temple. Remember, he was running away from the presence of the Lord. He was running away from the temple. Now Jonah is saying, Lord, I need to see your presence. I want to be in your presence. He's, I'm looking that way. And I think Jonah actually sees God here. I think we're seeing Jonah's conversion or his real salvation. And then he says, the waters engulfed me up to the neck. That's hard. It's hard to live with that happening to you. The watery depths overcame me. Seaweed was wrapped around uh, my head. Again, hard to uh, uh, breathe and survive with seaweed wrapped around your head. I sank to the foundations of the mountains. It's hard to live under the foundations of the mountains. The earth with its prison bars. This is a metaphor for Sheol. The bars would come over you, meaning you were dead. So now Jonah, he says, the prison bars have closed behind me forever. Guys, he's dead. He's dying, and he, and, he, and he knows he's dying. And then look at the hope here in the rest of verse 6. But you, you God, Yahweh, raised my life from the pit, Lord my God. That is resurrection. God wanted him to go up the whole time. Jonah wants to go down, and Jonah actually is dying. But God says, you raised me. I mean, Jonah says, you raised my life from the pit. Sound like Jesus. Jesus was raised to life. Remember, we're going we're gonna to read this at the end of the sermon. Jesus says, you have been given no other sign. You want a miracle? You, you want a church where people are dancing and crazy stuff's happening, people getting bonked on the head? He says, that, that's what an evil and adulterous generation wants. The sign I give you is the sign of Jonah. That's what Jesus said. This is the sign that you have. Death to life. And Jonah now is experiencing this. And he, in verse 7, he says, as my life was fading away, I remembered the Lord. He was dying. He, he remembers the Lord. And my prayer came to you, to your holy temple. He's like, and I was in this belly of the fish, and my prayer that I threw out there, that shows that God is omnipresent. God is sovereign. He's over everything. And he says, my prayer came to you, to your holy temple, to those who cling to worthless. And then he says, my prayer came to you in your holy temple. And then verse 8, he gives a warning. He says, to those who cling to worthless idols, um, I'm sorry, those who cling to worthless idols forsake faithful love. So he's saying, don't seek, don't live a life of vanity like I did. Don't seek worthless things. Don't seek what you want. Seek the will of God, the sovereignty of God. Verse 9, he says, but as for me, I will sacrifice to you. Now Jonah responds like the pagan sailors. Now he's like, I'm going to sacrifice. I'm going to do what I need to do. With a, with a voice of thanksgiving, Jonah's thankful for his death now because now he knows he actually will have life. And he says, I will fulfill what I have vowed. Salvation is from Yahweh. He now responds like the sailors. We see the sailors set the example. The pagan, the ones who were not Jewish, set the example for the Hebrew, the Jew. And, and now Jonah proclaims, salvation is from the Lord. That's why I think, again, he died and he's resurrected. And now we see the sovereignty of God. And the Lord commanded the fish God's commanding again. God's in control. He, again, Jonah's asking, what, is, what are you doing, God? And God's like, boom. And the fish vomited Jonah onto the dry land. I think it's a euphemism for all that dirt and all that nastiness is gone. Jonah has new life. I feel Jonah, we talk, uh, people who um, in the Old Testament, remember Jonah was like 700 years before Jesus. 
And so those people were looking towards the Messiah. But Jonah was still saved by Christ, just like we are looking back towards the cross. We are saved by Christ. We need new life like Jonah did. And I think Jonah has it. But he has not yet arrived, <laughs> like many of us, right? We're like, I believe in Jesus. And you're like, yeah, go, I want Jesus. And then what happens? Temptation comes your way. Dark thoughts come your way. Evil comes your way. And you're like, man, am I even saved? Do I even know this holy God? Why would I think that way? Because you're worse than you think you are. That's the point. That's what Jonah didn't get. He thinks he's good. He thinks he's strong. He thinks he's powerful. And God's like, son, no. It's like my, I have five kids, right? It's like one of my little kids, like, I'm, I mean, they, they could think they could beat me in arm wrestling. I'm like, really? Like, that would be so arrogant. Like, you? My little two-year-old? Like, really? Come on. Like, you can't beat me. And it, it's like that we would even think that. But that's what we think. We think we can be better gods than God. That's scary, guys. It's so scary. Now look at Jonah goes, and he's actually obedient this time. Look at chapter 3. It says, the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. God is a God who restores. God is a God who saves. And he says again, God says, get up, rise. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach the message that I tell you. Preach the call or the gospel. Proclaim the message that I told you to proclaim in the beginning. Verse 3 says, so Jonah got up and went to Nineveh according to the Lord's command. Now Jonah is obedient. And so we see Chap, uh, episode 4a, which now we can contrast with episode 1a. Jonah is actually obedient. We see his recommissioning and his compliance. We initially saw Jonah's uh, commissioning and his flight. Now we see his recommissioning and his compliance, his obedience to the Lord. But Jonah's heart still isn't all the way there yet. Sounds like our hearts. So now we see Jonah goes from Joppa and he goes to Nineveh. And now we see um, in, uh, verse, in chapter 3, we look at verse 3, the middle part of verse 3. Um, and it says, now Nineveh was an extremely large city, a three-day walk. And it says, verse 4 of chapter 3, Jonah set out on the first day of his walk in the city of Nineveh proclaiming. He proclaimed. He preached the gospel. He said, in 40 days, Nineveh will be overthrown. And he probably said more than that, but that's all we got. He said, because of your sin, this place is going down. God's judgment. God is a God of judgment. God is the one who brings vengeance. We may not like that. We want to be the Avengers. We want to be Hulk, right? We want to be Captain America. You're not. I'm not. God is the one who brings vengeance. Romans 12 says, vengeance is from the Lord. And that's what is happening here. God is right that people should perish. Look at the hearts of the, the, uh, of the Ninevites here. It says, now Nineveh again was an extremely large city, a three-day walk. Verse 4 of chapter 3, Jonah set out on the first day of, walk, of his walk in the city and proclaimed, shortest sermon of all time, in 40 days Nineveh will be overthrown. And look what happens. The men of Nineveh believed in God. They believed that's the beginning part of salvation is that God opens your mind. God shows you himself. You don't save yourself. I don't save myself. God saves us. And we see the beauty of our king. And the people believed in God. And they proclaimed. Now look at how they respond in repentance. Jesus says, repent and believe for the kingdom of God is at hand. Those are the two words Jesus says when he starts out his gospel, Mark, repent and believe. That's why this is a sign of Jonah, is a sign that Jesus gives us. That's what we are called to do, guys, repent and believe, turning away from our sin and turning to God's kingdom. And that is what the Ninevites do. And look how they react. They, 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 get, they do something physical. They proclaim a fast. We're not going to eat. And dressed in sackcloth, this itchy, like, bags of clothes, because they're like, that's what they would do. They'd be like, I'm taking off my old clothes. I need to repent. I need to feel this. I need to feel some discomfort. And so they proclaimed a fast and, and, and dressed in sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least. When the word reached the king of Nineveh, he got up from his throne and took off his royal robe. He put on sackcloth and sat in the ashes. He's sitting in the ashes. And verse 7 says, now the king issued a decree in Nineveh. By the order of the king and his nobles, no man or beast, even the animals, are responding Herd or flock is to taste anything at all. They're not even going to let the animals eat. They must not eat or drink water. Furthermore, both man and beast must be covered with sackcloth. And everyone must call out earnestly to God. Each must turn or repent. That's a word uh, idea for repenting. From his evil ways. 
And from the violence he is doing, Nineveh was a violent city, like, like serial killer people. That's what they were. And look how they respond. And then the king says, who knows? He's not saying, God, you owe us salvation. He's not saying that. That sounds very American. That's what we do. We want our microwave Jesus. And no, that's not the Jesus. That's not the God of the Bible. Look at this. And the king is very humble now. He says, who knows? God may relent. God may, he said he was going to, he said he, he might do this. And now he says, God may turn and relent. He may, he may turn from his burning anger so that we will not perish. This is the sign of Jonah. That's what God did. God allowed sin to enter the world so we would know that there would be a price to pay for our darkness, the Ninevites' darkness, your ancestors' darkness. Guys, God made us in his image, and and there's beauty there, but he also allowed us to be ones who would sin. Because if we could control sin, if we were sovereign like God, we could claim to be God. But that's the point. We can't. And that's what the king is saying here. God does not change, the Bible says. God does not relent or change the way a man does. The Bible says his motives are, 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 are far above ours. They're not like ours. God, is emotion, God has emotions, but he doesn't have emotions like we do. That's what we're learning here. The Bible says God loves, God cares, God has anger, God has wrath, but he does that perfectly. We can have perfect anger for a little bit, right? If someone hurts your child or if someone... Uh, does something evil, we can be like, that's wrong, and that's anger. The Bible says, have, have, be angry and do not sin. Anger is not always sin, okay? But when you take that too far, you become, a, you become a proud Pharisee, like I'm better than those people. That's what Jonah's doing here. Who are those bucketheads? Who do they think they are? And that's what the king, he's like, he says, who knows? He's very humble. God may turn and relent from our perspective, that's what he's saying, God may turn from his burning anger so that we will not perish. And God does because he puts that anger on Jesus Christ. He put all our sin, the Ninevite sin, and everything on Christ. And then look at our king. Look at God, the same God from Genesis to Revelation. says, then God saw their actions, that they had turned from their evil ways. So God relented from the disaster he had threatened to do. God wasn't going to do it. God knows what he's doing. God's not wishy-washy. The Bible, said God is, Bible says God is consistent. He does not change, but he teaches us because he has a will and he has a way. 1 Corinthians 7 says that repentance leads to salvation. This repentance, salvation and repentance are two sides of the same coin. You have to have faith or belief. It's the same idea in Greek. And repentance, again, is the same idea. In Greek, it's a changing of the mind. God doesn't change his mind. We change our mind. We conform to God. That's what repentance and belief is, turning away from God and turning to Christ in true belief. And now that takes us to chapter 4, where we see episode 6C, which contrasts Jonah's grateful prayer with God's angry prayer. We saw the contrast of the pagan, or actually the comparison of the pagan Ninevites and uh, I mean the pagan sailors and the Ninevites, who are also pagan, and how that contrasted to, to Jonah, Right? They, 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 they said they were God-fearers. Uh, Jonah said he was a God-fearer, but actually the two uh, uh, Gentiles, the ones that weren't Jews, they were actually ones that believed first, or they believed. And, and Jonah initially wasn't believing. And then we see that, again, Jonah's call and commissioning in those episode one and three. But now we get to episode six, and we see Jonah's angry prayer. We see Jonah's heart. I do believe Jonah was converted but he has a lot of work to go. He's a baby. He's a baby. He's immature in his faith. And so it says, but we see Jonah's angry prayer. It says, but Jonah, verse 4-1, but Jonah was greatly displeased and became furious. He's angry at God. He said, God, who do you think you are? Verse 2 says, he prayed to the Lord. Please, Lord, isn't this what I said while I was still in my own country? That's why I fled towards Tarshish in the first place. Jonah was being uh, disobedient on purpose. He was being so disobedient that he was, and now he's trying to justify his sin to God. That's what we do. But look at what happens. Jonah knows God's heart. He actually knows who God is, but his heart is still cold towards people. He says, that is why I fled towards Tarshish in the first place. I knew you are a merciful or gracious, the same idea, and compassionate, and then for loving or gracious. He says, gracious God, I know you are a merciful and compassionate God. Slow to become angry. God's patient. 
rich in faithful love. The one who relents from sending disaster. Like you don't, you don't want to do some of the hard things you have to do because you're a good father, but you do them to make us grow and make us see who he is. That God. Verse 3 says, and now, Lord, please take my life from me. Jonah's like, I'd rather die than have your will come about. For it is better for me to die than to live. And the Lord asks, is it right for you to be angry? He's like, how's that anger doing for you, Jonah? How's your heart? How's that anger doing for you? And then we get to the lesson here, Jonah's lesson. It says, now Jonah left the city and he sat down east of it. Jonah's lesson is the last episode. It says he sat down east of it. He, He took care of himself. He made a shelter there and he sat in its shade to see what would happen to the city. He's like, come on, God, come on, do what I want. Conform to my will. Please do what I want. I don't want them to be saved. And we don't know all the details of why Jonah hated Nineveh, but it seems that there was some racial tension there, ethnic things he hated about them. He might not like how they looked, how they smelled, the things that they did, the things that he knew were wrong. They were murdering and killing people, and he's a a, a good, trying to be a good moral person. And so there's some real tension there, right? Like we, we probably act like Jonah, like, man, then my boss did me wrong. Or my ex did me wrong. Or my, my mom or my dad did me wrong. This person did me wrong. And you're struggling. And you feel this tension that Jonah feels. Like, it's not fair. It's not fair, God. That's where Jonah's at. And he's like, I'm out of the city. I'm, I'm pretty sure I, hopefully God's going to bend to my will and crush Nineveh. <laughs> he's not in the city. He's away from the city. And then verse uh, 6 says in chapter 4, Then the Lord God, we see God's sovereignty, over something so small. Look at this. God appointed a plant. Huh? Like, what are you doing, God? I don't understand. Remember the initial question? What is God doing? Why is God appointing a plant? Why does God care about the small things and not the big things? God is, is very intentional in what he's doing. God appointed a plant, and it grew up to provide shade over Jonah's head to ease his discomfort. So God even provides this little plant to comfort his, who I believe is his child, his son Jonah, but Jonah's heart still needs to be sanctified. He still needs to grow. And it says, God appointed a plant, and it grew up and provided shade over Jonah's head to ease the discomfort. And Jonah was greatly pleased with the plant. Jonah's like, thanks, God. I like this plant. I like what you do here because it's taking care of me. And look at verse 7. When the dawn came the next day, God appointed a worm. Oh, man. God's doing something. He's appointing a worm, another little small thing that attacked the plant, and it withered. The plant now dies. And God, Jonah's asking, God, what are you doing? I don't get it. Just give me my plant. The maintenance of a die and give me my plant. Sounds very American. Verse 8, as the sun was rising, God appointed a scorching east wind. God appointed again. You see the sovereignty of God. God's in control of everything. What are you doing, God, Jonah's asking. We may be asking. The sun beat down on Jonah's head. He almost fainted. Like, what is God doing? He's almost taking his his son out to teach him a lesson. And it says Jonah wanted to die. He said, Jonah, again, Jonah rather have death than God save people. He just said salvation belongs to the Lord. Now he's confused again. Sounds like us, right? Yes, God, I want your will. Amen. Yes and amen. Please, Lord, use me. The Lord's like, go to that place. Commit somewhere. Serve. Live somewhere faithfully for 10 years, five years. Don't be tossing and moving away like the culture today that wants a a new Pop-Tart every 10 seconds. Learn about consistency. Learn about a lifetime of faithfulness. That's what God is saying. But Jonah's like, I'd rather die. I don't care about the plant. It's better for me to die. I want what I want. Verse 9, then God asked Jonah again, hey, man, how's that anger treating you? (laughs) How's that anger working out for you, bud? He says, is it right for you to be angry about the plant now? And then Jonah says, yeah. Do you not know what I've been through, God? Do you not know what I have gone through? I'm hot. I'm struggling. I'm angry. Come on, God. Like, I deserve some favor here. I deserve some grace. I deserve some mercy. 
He says, yes, it's right. I'm angry enough to die. I just want to die. I'm done. Have you guys ever been there? You're just done. Done with a person. You may be done with life. Jonah was. Just done. And we see God call out Jonah. And maybe he calls out some of us today. He says, so the Lord said, Jonah, you cared about the plant, that little thing, which you didn't labor over and did not grow. You did nothing to make the plant grow. I made it grow. I make the church grow. I make your business grow. I make you flourish. And sometimes God will put us through hard times to grow us. In Christianity, we talk about suffering. Jonah is suffering for his disobedience, and some of us may be suffering for our disobedience. The point is confirmed to God's will. The Bible also talks that the Christian will suffer. If the Christian is living right, the Bible says, rejoice in your suffering if that's the case. Jonah, we see, is suffering because of his sin, but suffering is part of the Christian walk either way. And so that is the application to us. Look at, look at what God says. No matter, no, no matter where you are today, Friends and family, we can learn from Jonah. Look, it says, so the Lord said, you cared about the plant which you did not labor over and did not grow. It appeared in the night and perished in the night. Should I not care about the great city of Nineveh? Should I not care about these people that I've created who can't distinguish between their right and their left hand like Jesus said to the people on the cross? They knew not what they did. That's our story. We're ignorant until sin is revealed to us and we're like, oh, snap. I didn't realize that was wrong. That's the journey from being a child, right, and growing into adult. You realize the sin that is in you. And God's saying, should I not have compassion for over 120 people who can't tell them their left from the right, and even the animals as well? I have compassion for way more than you think I do, Jonah. And that's how the book of Jonah ends. Like, what? What are you doing? That's it? That's your lesson? That's the lesson that the sovereign God of all has compassion and mercy to all. He gives compassion and mercy to all. And so let's think through this, and we'll end here. Again, we see, we learn that Yahweh should be known as the only true sovereign God of all creation, who is the God of all nations, the pagans, the the Ninevites, us, Americans, all different kinds of Americans, right? Europeans, Africans, Indians, everything. That's the heart of God. He loves the nations. And I know here at Redeemer, we want to be people that love the nations and different kinds of people because that's God's heart. So we see that Yahweh should be known as a true sovereign God, this king of all creation, who is the God of all nations and who would in turn display his compassion and his mercy to people of all nations. We're going to sing about this in a second. We're going to worship and respond in this. But I want to ask a few heart questions. And I think tie into that last question. We see that the sovereign God shows compassion and mercy to all. But are we asking God the question Jonah's asking? God, what are you doing? Let's be real, right? We, we all ask that question probably every day. And this is why this Jonah, the sign of Jonah speaks to us today. It's a gospel picture. So are you asking God what is he doing instead of trusting him with your family, with your money, with your future, with all your decisions? with what you're supposed to be doing? Are you, or are you being disobedient to God with your life? Are you totally running the other direction like Jonah? That, that could be a reality. That's a lesson to learn from Jonah. Is there some sin or something that you're running towards? Something that you're hiding? And God's saying, stop. He's saying, I see you. I love you. I'm going to even give you a little plant. I'm going to have to take it away. God is very patient. He's slow. And a lot of times there's, there's darkness and there's things going on in people's life. And it may be something small. It may just be a little pride. Right? You may be like, man, I'm just better than that person like Jonah. Jonah probably wasn't doing something horrible. He just thought he was better. He's like, do you not know who I am? I'm Jonah. Do you not know my God who's behind me? And God's like, I'm not behind that. <laughs> Are you running for, from the responsibility that God has entrusted you to love him and to love people and to make disciples of all nations for God's glory? Are you called to be a part of a local church? Are you called to serve and you're just gonna, you just want to go do something else? 
You don't want that. You don't want the response. But God has entrusted us with this opportunity to love him with everything we have and to love people and to make disciples, invest in people of all kinds of people, just like Jonah did. And guys, that frees us. That's how we glorify God or worship God. That goes back to loving God. Maybe you hate people like Jonah hated the Ninevites. We've all been there. And I've struggled with hate a lot of times my whole life. Ethnic hate, racial hate. I'm a triracial, and I still struggle with it. So just be honest. We've all struggled with that a lot of times. We just need to be, especially in our country, we need to be honest about it. We just need to have the conversation and say, man, I've been there. I've been like Jonah. I've hated people. That's what God's getting at. We all hate people. That, loving people is the hardest thing to do, even if it's our own family, our own mom, our own dad, our spouse. The, the enemy wants you to hate people. And not just be nice and be like, hey, nice to meet you, brother. <laughs> no, like really know people and love people where you have hard conversations and real conversations. Have you acted like Jonah to family, friends, neighbors, or Christians, or other church members? Or are, are you still stuck in asking God, what are you doing? Or will you trust him and rest in the fact that the sovereign God of all shows compassion and mercy to all? Guys, God gives us hope. Let me just read the sign of Jonah, and we're going to end this now. I just want you to read, hear these words and trust God. I want you to see the gospel the story that Christ says he's coming back and he's going to make all things new, all the brokenness, all the heartache. There is a purpose that's bigger than us. From Genesis, the fall, to then his redemption, he came and he lived a perfect life and we see that he saved us. He told us to repent and believe and worship him and live for him because he was the only perfect God-man. He was God where we couldn't be God and he promises to come again and to give us hope. And so listen to Matthew 12, 38 through 41. You want to join with, their, with, with me there, Matthew 12, 38 through, through 41. And we're going to see that God is consistent and he's mercifully loving in his response. And the Pharisees are trying to trick him. These re religious leaders are trying to trick him. And then look how Jesus responds. In verse uh, Matthew 12, 38, Jesus, it says, Then some of the scribes and the Pharisees, religious leaders, answered Jesus, saying, Teacher, we wish to see a sign. We want to see magic from you. But Jesus answered them, an evil and adulterous generation seeks a sign. But no sign, no extra miracle, no magic will be given to it, to that generation, except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a great fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And the men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and behold, something greater than Jonah is here. Guys, do you know this Messiah? He was greater than Jonah. You see, God's plan was Jesus in his gospel, and the, the book of Jonah in our text today shows us God's response to humanity was this gospel, this message. Do you see the sign of Jonah? The story of Jonah shows us the message, the, the gospel message in Hebrew, that proclamation that the king gave out, that Jonah was supposed to give out, this good news story of God with us from beginning to the end. God's in control. That's what he's doing. He's in control in every detail of your life, all the little pains. When you wish you had more money or you wish you were taller or you wish you were a baller, I, I wish I was, I used to hoop. When, when all those things that you wish that you had God's in control. He knows your heart. He knows your sins. He knows the things you're struggling with. And the gospel is God's constant, merciful, loving response to humanity. The story of this great king where God breathed everything and made everything good and then God was not caught by surprise when sin came. He allowed sin and death and, and to enter the world. All these things that happened to Jonah and it's happened to you, he's allowed those things to come in. Why? So we could see our need for him. So we could see that we need a sacrifice, his redemption, that Messiah, the sign of Jonah. That we would see that we are broken, that we need a savior. And then his redemption would come through this king, Jesus Christ, who would be this perfect man who elected or chose us. He allowed us to believe so that, guys, that we could be redeemed. We could be delivered. We could be saved by his atonement, his covering for our sin, and his death, his burial, and resurrection, and then his ascension, guys. And now we have this response, like the Ninevites, like Jonah, to repent and believe, to turn away from sin and to turn to God in faith and belief. 
and to turn to God's kingdom and not Satan's kingdom by having belief in Jesus by the Holy Spirit's power. And guys, he's coming again. That's part of the sign of Jonah. He's coming again. Just like he rose, he's coming again. And he'll bring about new, a new, um, the Bible says new um, heavens and earth. And there'll be this glorious future where we will reign with him. And he's going to be the ultimate avenger. He's going to purge all the evil that Jonah wanted to purge in the wrong way. God will purge it in the right way. And God will usher in righteousness and peace where we're going to see God eternally. And we're going to worship with him and live. So no, God's in control. No, God loves you. God wants you. He's patient with us just like he was with Jonah. And he wants us to respond. respond. And all this that I have said, guys, is to let you know, hey, I've been there. I've been broken. I know you guys have been broken. And God is, salvation belongs to the Lord, as Jonah said. God wants to work in your life. So let's trust God that he is a better way and a better God than we could ever be. He is good and slow to anger and abounding in, in love. He's patient in love. He's gracious and merciful when no one of us, none of us deserves it. He knows what's happening. He had a plan for Jonah and he has a plan for you in your life. He knows all the details all the things over your life, he wants us to love him and love people. That's what he said. So be obedient in making disciples of all nations for God's glory. That's how we should live. That's how we glorify God. And so when we ask the question, what is God doing? Guys, let's worship. Let's do that now. We're going to respond and sing some songs. Let's worship and trust that the sovereign God of all truly shows compassion and mercy to all. Let's worship and respond now. Dear Lord, we thank you, Lord. I know, Lord, there is a lot in the book of Jonah. And so I pray, Lord, as we come to respond, Lord, as we take communion and respond to the gospel, the sign of Jonah, Lord, teach us. Teach us to be, Lord, not like Jonah. Lord, teach us to be ones who, who, who yes, have pain and, and, and hardship, but in that we turn to you and not to ourselves. And so we love you, Lord. We need you. Bless us now. Let us walk humbly. Thank you, Lord, for your word. And I pray, Lord, that the, the sign of Jonah is just imprinted in our hearts. And, Lord, that you keep that sign, the gospel sign in our hearts to continue to not be discouraged, but the opposite, Lord, to be encouraged to continue to walk and live a loving you and loving people and making disciples of all nations for your glory. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, let us respond now. <clears throat> Amen.